What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Matt D'Souza is the CEO of Blockware Solutions, a blockchain infrastructure company specializing in Bitcoin mining hardware procurement, mining rig co-location, as well as professional mining and staking pool operations. In this conversation, we discuss Blockware's recent analysis of miner selling pressure, how profitable various miners are around the world, what to expect during the Bitcoin halving, and how hash rates should fluctuate over the next few months. I really enjoyed this conversation, and Matt was super informative. But before we get into this episode, I want to cover today's sponsor, Unstoppable Domains. You've probably heard me talking about Unstoppable Domains for a few months now. Well, guess what? Blockchain domains now work inside of Opera Browser on Android. This means you can type in a .crypto domain just like a .com. I just relaunched a website for the Pomp podcast at pomp.crypto. You can check out my decentralized website right now. It's a huge step toward protecting free speech around the world. Opera is the first browser to support the decentralized web, but I'm sure there's going to be many, many more. Hey, Google Chrome, you better get on this. So to get your very own domain and build a decentralized website, go to unstoppabledomains.com right now. Again, unstoppabledomains.com. Not only do they have a cool name and a cool URL, but they got an awesome product as well. So head on over to unstoppabledomains.com. All right, now let's get into this episode with Matt. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got Matt here with me. Uh, I feel like we are deep into the quarantine. Got the quarantine beards, no haircuts, uh, just ready to rock and roll. Uh, Matt, I uh, I appreciate you jumping on and uh, recording this on short notice. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Pomp. For sure. Let's just jump right in. Uh, let's go over your background, um, and then we can get into uh, the recent report you guys uh, cranked out. Yeah. So I, you know, I started getting involved in the digital currency space in 2015 uh, with one of my partners. I launched a digital currency hedge fund in 2017 called Blockchain Opportunity Fund. We still manage that more liquid assets. Um, and then in late 2017, uh, my brothers college roommate saw an opportunity on the mining side. There was, um, there was an arbitrage for mining rigs between the US and China. Um, and together we launched Blockware Solutions. Um, we've now become one of the largest distributors of ASICs to the US market. Over the past year, we've sold about 30,000 ASICs to the US market. We place miners in co-location facilities. We do research. We've got a Bitcoin pool. Um, and now we're really building out our research arm to educate the market in the U.S. You know, our goal is to have bring as much hash to the U.S. because we need this decentralized network. Um, we can't have 65% of the hash in China. So in January, with another partner, Mike Stolzner, we launched a Bitcoin fund um, called Blockware Mining, and we're mining Bitcoin in Kentucky. Um, got about we'll have about 180 pet of hash by the end of the week. We've got 500 of those S17 pluses coming online. And what we're doing is we're offering a turnkey solution to U.S. miners so that they can get up and hashing immediately. They have a great site um, with exceptional technologists managing the site. So um, with that, we, uh, 
we deeply understand the Bitcoin network. We've got a large, uh, we have, we've, you know, we, we've, we've visited sites in Chengdu, China, um, the Pacific Northwest, upstate New York, and that allows us to deeply understand the network. Um, what electricity rates are at all around the world, um, who's mining, uh, and what mining rigs are they running? Are they running old gen technology or new gen? And what that does is that allows us to understand the break-even prices of all these different miners across the globe. Blocker Solutions, I mean, we service people in, uh, in China, Russia, Mongolia. We have, we have either partners or, or other uh, you know, service providers all over Europe, um, even, even South America, Mexico, North America. So that gives us communicating with all them uh, gives us a very good feel of what electricity rates are and what type of technology miners are running. And through that, we can estimate and understand what uh, different miners' break-even prices are. Now, many analysts have, have said that the, the cost of production for a miner is, is price support. Um, when you read our research report, you'll see that it's not price support for Bitcoin. It actually accelerates sell-offs in, in the price of Bitcoin. The key, the key um, expense or variable for miners is their electricity. About 95% of their operational expenditure is electricity. So if you're at an electricity rate of $0.06 cents, um, and you're running 100 machines and someone has an electricity rate of $0.04 cents, and they're running 100 machines, you're, you're, you're running at a 50% a greater break-even than the individual with $0.04. Cents. So when the miners, when the miners at $0.06, cents, uh, they start approaching when Bitcoin starts approaching the break-even price price of a miner at six cents. Their margins become compressed. Their 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 net profitability decreases, and they have to sell more of that Bitcoin. Their you know their revenue is coming in as Bitcoin, and as that margin compression happens, they have to sell more Bitcoin. So when now when a miner goes under their break-even price, now they have to pull Bitcoin from their treasury and sell that to fund their electricity. Every month you have to pay for that electricity. And that's what's creating salt pressure on the network. There's really three participants in, in the Bitcoin network. There's the investment funds, there's the hodlers, and there's the miners. All three for the most part are very bullish. Um, most funds, most, most, most hodlers, they're long only. Um, but miners, they're truly the most bullish because they're buying mining rigs and they're building out facilities assets with three to five year life cycles. Um, or if you're a fund, you can risk manage. I mean, you can buy 5 million, 10 million worth of Bitcoin and be bullish, but tomorrow you could sell out of it, right? Miners are stuck. They're, they, are, they are the ultimate call option. So they, uh, you know, they're, they're mining their Bitcoin and they have to fund their electricity bill. Every day, there's about 1,800 Bitcoin released. Every month, it's 54,000 Bitcoin. When Bitcoin was at 10,000, that was a half a billion of new, of new Bitcoin released onto the market every month to miners that is potential sell pressure. Now, they're not selling at all, but when Bitcoin starts to sell off and these inefficient miners have to sell their Bitcoin to, 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 um, to support their electricity bill, that exacerbates sell-offs sell, sell in Bitcoin. So, you know, we saw that BitMEX, the BitMEX blow up where Bitcoin, um, you know, it, it, it wicked down 
from you know about 7,800 all the way to maybe 3,800. There was only strong hands left, right? Anyone else who was holding the Bitcoin, that's a, that's a lot of strong hands. But we've, we've, we've had difficulty rallying. I mean, I think overall, the over, overarching theme is the US equity market and the global macro. Um, but overall, yes, a lot of holders blew out, but we still have the sell pressure from miners. And I think that's creating price drag right now because these miners still have to fund electricity. They have to do some type of treasury management. So they're selling their Bitcoin every day to have cash so that they can fund their electricity bill. Now, these things are, this is how, this is just how the Bitcoin network works. And it's, it's healthy. It's, it's a self-correcting mechanism um, as, as, uh, as these inefficient miners blow out, you know, we, we model the network in eight layers. Um, layer one being miners with two and a half cent electricity or lower. Um, layer two being three cents, four cents, five, 5.5, six cents, six and a half, and then seven cents or above. So that's, that's the layers. And then we broke that down further into who's running old gen versus who's running next gen. Now, this is what's really interesting. Um, we've had this hardware upgrade cycle in 2019. Bitmain released all these seven nanometer chips. So miners who are running at seven cents and bought the new technology, since the machines are so efficient, their break-even price is lower than a miner at three cents running the old gen. So about 45%, about probably 35 to 40% of the network is still old gen. And now, because of the hardware upgrade cycle we had in 2019 and still occurring, um, about 60, 65% is next gen. These, these miners at seven cents, which is quite high, running next gen equipment have a lower break even price than these miners in China with three cents running old gen equipment. And that has changed up the game. And that's going to keep more self pressure on the network for what we believe to be another three to four months. Um, I'll go into our later thesis of what we think is gonna happen. Uh, it's very bullish, but you know, we're gonna go through a cycle of, of minor, you know, minor capitulation, um, and, and, and that's ultimately gonna position us for our next leg up. Because once you get these inefficient miners out of the network who are creating the cell pressure, um, that's how you position to rally next. So we just got a taste of it. Uh, you know, last week we had one of the largest difficulty adjustments in Bitcoin's history. Um, and we were monitoring the pools. We saw a lot of the Asian pools lose more hash than some of the American pools. So to us, that signal of, of uh, you know, miners in the East uh, that, that are running old gen technology, they're probably the ones that were shutting off. Um, and, and, and that's a, that's a really healthy thing for the network. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, when we go through having, having is very bullish because ultimately half the potential sell pressure gets removed and, and these inefficient miners are going to have to shut off. Now, when they shut off, difficulty adjusts. The most, I think the, the least, one of the least understood and, the, and, and, and under-respected uh, attributes of the Bitcoin network is difficulty. I, I can't believe, I, I just don't understand how Satoshi did it 
in 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 2009 or, or 2010 um and because it's a self-correcting mechanism you know right now in the world we have this monetary policy where central bankers can just print and and manipulate um in the bitcoin network everything is controlled by code the monetary policy is controlled by cold uh code and when people become inefficient they shut off and difficulty adjusts and the rewards that the people that shut off the miners that shut off their bitcoin starts getting allocated to whoever lasts and their margins the miners that last their margins improve because they're getting more bitcoin and they're able to secure the network um it's 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 like a gravity difficulty is like a gravity it, if if too many miners come online then bitcoin is getting distributed to several miners and everyone has minor compression these inefficient miners at the at the higher layers they blow out difficulty adjusts and bitcoin starts getting allocated um to the miners that still survive and then their margins normalize and it goes the other way so so it's 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 a very interesting mechanism um and and it's self-correcting there isn't manipulation um and and that kind of goes into our later thesis which we can talk about uh which i think is going to be very attractive for people especially with what's going on in the global macro yeah so one of the things i want to touch on is um this whole idea of um there's tons of miners who are mining uh but they don't sell 100% of the bitcoin uh to pay for electricity do you have any sense of the percentages that certain miners are having to sell um and then how that changes with price fluctuations as well right are there certain kind of in those tiers you described some that have to sell 100% to fund operations and then some that are maybe selling only 10% uh and then if you kind of back into the larger miners probably have lower cost power you can really start to understand how much of the sell pressure on a daily basis is coming from miners or is that just too many unknown variables and therefore difficult to uh to come up with right now no that's a great question <clears throat> in our report we we model all that out um we have these large tables in the research report these excel tables and that's exactly what we're doing um we understand how much electricity is being consumed by each layer uh based on their margins so if you're running mass 17 um at at 6 cents you might be consuming $80 worth of electricity uh per month and you may be making 120 in revenue so you know that you have to sell $80 of your 120 which is at least 70 75% right? no 66% right so their margins are are 33% um and they have to sell 66% of their electricity if they're at for example 6 cents and then if they're at 5 cents maybe they only have to sell 50% and if they're at three cents, they only have to sell 30%. And that's that's what's key. That, you know, you brought that up, and that's what's so helpful for the network. When these when these miners who are operating almost at break-even and have to sell 80 to 100 percent of their Bitcoin blow out, and now their Bitcoin is getting allocated to these efficient miners who only have to sell 30%, well, they're holding more Bitcoin. Sell pressure comes off the network. Um, you know, people, a lot of people think that. Bitcoin trades a couple billion a day. That's what's important. That's inaccurate. A majority of that is fake Asian trading. It's algos. It's, it's day trading. That just creates short-term volatility. What moves the price of, of an asset is net fiat in and net fiat out. And that's what, in, and, and we're interested in the intermediate to long-term, right? 
So I'm interested in what's net money in, net money out. Miners are bringing net money out because they, they're getting your Bitcoin and they're selling it to fund electricity. Now, demand and positive sentiment is what brings funds and hodlers to bring new cash in. And we think, and, and that counterbalances miner sell pressure. Now, that miner sell pressure will redu get reduced when inefficient miners are operating at their break even or below break even. They have to shut off. And now their Bitcoin is going to the miners who only have to sell 10 or 20% of their Bitcoin to fund electricity. Um, and that's how you get these better environments for Bitcoin to rally. We're going to experience that. We just got a taste. We just had that large difficulty adjustment. That was a bunch of old generation equipment getting wiped out. Once we go through the halving, revenue is going to get cut in half. All the old generation equipment, for the most part, is going to shut off. Um, you know, markets, most mar markets are supposed to be one of the most efficient price discounting mechanisms, right? Future discounting mechanism. Um, I think equity markets, the larger the market, the, the more efficient, right? Crypto markets are probably one of the less efficient markets out there, but there's, there's still efficiencies. So we think, we, think, um, we think a lot of the S9s are gonna shut off, but some of them are gonna flow to areas in the world that just have the cheapest power or subsidized power. It's like pouring a bottle of water at the top of a mountain. It's gonna go to the lowest point. That's, it's, that's, how, that's how gravity and water works. Um, these S9s are gonna flow to areas like Venezuela, they're going to flow to areas like Iran, Kazakhstan, where there's subsidized power or near zero power, or they'll flow to areas where where a utility has excess power, um, and and they might get in, they'll be smart enough to get involved. We have clients uh, capturing the natural gas, um, and they're running at one cent power. That's going to be a boom in the U.S. Um, our the group that we're working with is a is a steel mill. Um, and, and, and some of their jobs are getting repurposed to Bitcoin mining. There's, I mean, I mean the revolution that's going to happen um, with, with Bitcoin mining is about power. That's the most important component. So those who have the cheapest power in the world are going to start getting involved in this. They already are. Um, and that just makes our network more credible uh, and more secure because you have these, you, you have... Bitcoin, you know, our belief is Bitcoin is a commodity in its infancy. And, and when you get a better release of the supply, um, you get less volatility and it becomes more usable, right? And Bitcoin is just, it's, it's 10 years old. It's a, it's, it's a commodity in its infancy. You look at oil, gold, soybeans, all the suppliers are, they're the ones controlling the supply and they kind of influence price. Well, they hedge out 12 months, right? With their futures contracts and their, and their forwards, um, you know, Cargill, uh, Barrick Gold, Aramco, they all have 20 man trade desks hedging out the product. With Bitcoin mining, it's a Chinese farm or it's some small farm, or small farm in the US. And, and, and when Bitcoin starts to sell off, they might puke their coin and they're exacerbating um, the prices in Bitcoin. Uh, and they're, they're the suppliers. So once this becomes more institutionalized, once we get better products, which is happening right in our face, right? CME has their future. Now we have options. We're witnessing Bitcoin becoming more mature. And when the supply gets released smoother, 
and volatility gets sucked out more, it becomes a better store of value um, and it becomes a better digital gold. I mean, if oil was just fluctuating like crazy, uh, it is. I mean, most that people don't realize commodities are some of the most uh, volatile assets. So you, you want to point to Bitcoin and call, talk about volatility. I mean, oil was at 150 in 2009, 2010, and now it's at $20. So there you go. It's lost at 85%, right? So we think there's a lot of things that are happening right now that just make us very bullish Bitcoin. Um, the commodity thing is a bit of a tangent, but, but Bitcoin is 10 years old. It's a commodity in its infancy. The difference is no matter what the supply gets released, that's code, but, but the people that are going to influence the supply uh, will become far, far more diligent about how it's released. Um, we're going to have better exchanges. We're going to have derivative products. Um, they're going to start using better schedules for treasury management. Volatility will get sucked out. Um, and, and it's going to be a more usable digital gold because volatility gets sucked out. And, and now people are going to use it more. Um, it's, it, and most importantly, it's all happening right in front of our face. The futures market is very robust yeah. with the CME options. Yep, go ahead. One of the things I want to ask about is using this thesis of kind of the mining sell pressure, walk us through what you expect to happen over the next, you know, call it 45 days before the halving, what happens at the moment of the halving, and then maybe what happens in the three months after the halving, and then kind of 18 months out. So going into the halving, Absolutely. at the halving, three months after, and then 18 months after that. Yeah. So we initially put this report out um, to some to our investors and, and clients in January. So we were kind of expecting this sell-off. Um, and we think that Bitcoin is probably in a trading range and it'll continue to stay in quite uh, compressed margins for miners going into halving. Now, once we go through halving, the miners' revenue is going to get slashed in half. This is when we're going to experience what I call, you know, I, I think it's going to be a healthy cleanse of the network. Um, we're probably going to experience difficulty adjustments. If, if Bitcoin is still at 8,000 or lower going into halving, we're probably going to, this is when we're going to get extreme minor capitulation, probably 30, potentially 40% of the network shutting off. Um, anyone with power above two cents running old generation equipment is going to blow out. Um, miners with mid-generation equipment like T2Ts, uh, the inter-silicon machines, those are going to blow out if you're at four cents or higher. Um, and individuals running the, the newest equipment uh, at seven and a half cents, seven cents, uh, high sixes, they're going to have to shut off. So I, I basically just listed off about 40% of the network. And that's in the report. We really lay all that out. Now, what is that? It's not a light switch. People can't just turn off their machines and they're not going to just turn off their machines. There's friction. Um, you know, people want to hope people are in, people have utility contracts where they have to consume a certain amount of power. Otherwise they, uh, they lose their long-term contract. They might be in hosting facilities where if they default on their payments, then they they lose their mining rigs. So if you just bought thousands of dollars worth of mining rigs, you're going to keep paying your bill for two or three months until you blow out. Um, people are in facilities and they have to pay, you know, their lease payments. They've built out all this infrastructure, so they're still mining the rigs. Um, 
And, and once they're, they start defaulting on rent, which might take two or three months, then the facility kicks them out. So we think once having hits, we're going to experience this massive difficulty adjustment because inefficient miners are going to shut off. Um, and we think it could take maybe May through potentially July of friction of people shutting off, people wiping out, throwing in the towel um, and completely shutting off. And, and that's when we're going to actually get difficulty kicks in and margins are going to get better. The efficient miner should not fear having, they should welcome it. Uh, their margins, I, we, we've analyzed it and we believe that margins of miners at six cents and lower running the most efficient equipment, their margins are going to be about the same pre-having and post-having after all these miners shut off. And it's because they're going to get the Bitcoin that, so those miners who are run, who uh, shut off about 40% of them, once they shut off, that Bitcoin's got to go somewhere. It's going to go to the people that last. Mining is about survivability. You just need to survive. If you survive, difficulty will adjust in the future and it's going to, it's going to improve your margins because the people that are inefficient, their Bitcoin is going to go to you. So what that does is all these inefficient miners wipe out the who were operating where 80% of their uh, mine Bitcoin needed to get sold to fund electricity, they're gone. Where 50, only 50% or only 30% of their Bitcoin needs to get sold. Now you've removed, not only does having removed 50% of the potential sell pressure, but now, now it's like, now the strongest hands are accumulating Bitcoin and they have the best market. A lot of cell pressure is going to get removed from the network, and that's how we position to have the next leg up. So it's 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 going to be exceptional an exceptional improvement on the supply side, and we think that's going to it'll take maybe May through uh, through July or early August for all that to kind of shuffle out. Um, and it it we're really excited because we layer in the global macro into all this. Um, we think, you know, with, with what's going on in the U.S., if, if we have this continued shutdown, um, if we have a lot of jobs lost, uh, you know, the, the, Fed, the Fed, I think they, I forgot the exact number, it was either two or six trillion. Um, and people look at that and they think it's the end because the number is so big. It's not about the number. The Fed, they, they operate in cycles. Um, the, you know, it's, it's market cycles, it's, it's economic cycles. When you're printing, it's cycles. It's it's a process. You don't just inject six trillion and everything's fixed. Um, it's it's going to be a process of many more injections, um, and and people aren't just going to. It's not going to be business as normal once we get back. Once we eradicate this disease, people are going to be very cautious. Companies are going to be very cautious with spending, um, and and we think it's going to take uh, you know a longer recovery. So with that. This is what's interesting. Many market participants are not going to like that system of the Fed being able to just inject money uh, whenever, whenever they'd like to. Um, so when you, get, when you get a scenario like that, you get market participants that start to look at other options. And I, we believe they're going to look at Bitcoin 
as this parallel financial system where our pre there the I think a lot of people are gonna go, our present system is broken. You could print as much as you want, um, buying all types of assets, uh, but this Bitcoin, what is this technology? It's dictated by code. The inflation rate is 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 fixed and then it halves. No one could no one could mess with that. And when you get when you get speculators, when you get a technology, a disruptive technology like Bitcoin that it's in, that's in its infancy, and now you layer in a bunch of speculators who start to imagine and envision the possibilities of this actually coming to fruition. I mean, that's what 2020 is doing. 2018 invent, or excuse me, 2008 spawned Bitcoin. Bitcoin was invented by Satoshi because of 2008. 2020, I believe, is going to allow speculators to imagine and envision the possibilities of Bitcoin actually getting adopted. Bitcoin doesn't have to, Bitcoin doesn't have to get adopted for there to be a bull market. Speculators just need a secondary market with liquidity, so the ability to speculate, and they need to, they need to envision the possibilities and imagine the possibilities. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think, I think, I think the supply side is going to be extremely well positioned for Bitcoin to rally because of extreme minor uh, capitulation that's going to occur from having. And I think that's going to play out uh, between, you know, May through August and, and all the sell pressure will get removed from the network because the miners are going to blow out. And, and then I believe the fundamental of the story is just improving every day due to, uh, you know, what's going on with the global macro, uh, the, 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 the printing. And, and I believe that's going to improve the fundamental story. It's going gonna, it's gonna to allow people to say, look at this parallel financial system. Um, we prefer that over, over Donald Trump pressuring Jerome Powell to, 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 to print. And, and uh, when you get speculators, when you get a technology in its infancy that's disruptive like Bitcoin, you get speculators starting to imagine and envision the possibilities of this technology coming to fruition, um, and you get a secondary market with liquidity, that's how you get parabolic bull markets. And I think that's what's all brewing right now. All right. So, Matt, one of the questions I have for you is, obviously, the oil prices have been dropping very quickly uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, and we're reaching a point now where we're going on multiple weeks of that oil price being below where most oil producers, especially in the United States, uh, are not profitable. Do you see a world where uh, the folks who have this oil realize, hey, rather than just selling the barrels of oil, uh, I can actually use that to generate power and I should be mining crypto at a much more profitable manner, uh, or even maybe some of the other excess power producers uh, kind of going in as well um, and starting to realize this? Or do you think that we're still far away from what I'll call traditional industry or traditional energy producers um, kind of crossing the chasm into uh, Bitcoin mining? It's, you know, that's a great question. And it's, it's uh, very specific to the U.S. Um, there's a group, I mean, there, I, I want to keep everyone's stuff confidential, but there's a leader, uh, that we've done business with. We respect him. He's really intelligent and they're building this out, um, in, in several States. They're capturing the flare gas. Uh, they're, I, I'd say they're the leaders in it. Um, and, and there's excess right now. So they're going to these different oil drillers 
um, and they're working with them. They're capturing the flare gas. They're using these natural gas generators, and and uh, the power is very cheap. I have another client. Um, we just had a call with them last week. It's two two individuals um, out west, and and they are doing the same thing to a smaller scale, but they're going to ramp up because they've identified the opportunity and they're going to capture it. Um, they are going. They're in. They're in Texas, and they're capturing the uh, the flare gas. They're connecting it with a natural gas generator, and and they're burning that, and they have one cent electricity. Um, it's this is going to change mining. It brings in, it creates cost efficiencies for these oil. Uh, you know, the 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 oil drillers don't have anything to do with the they they don't have anything to do with the natural gas. So you either burn it, um, or you know, it doesn't it doesn't store well. So that's why they're utilizing it. It's 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 basically a byproduct that's being um, leveraged. Um, so yeah, we see an opportunity there. I'm not as proficient as explaining it um, because I'm not doing it, but I, I I have clients that are, and they're making exceptional money doing it. One cent electricity um, and mining Bitcoin. So there's going to be synergies where you could where you could bring Bitcoin mining to these fields, put down a container. Have the natural gas uh, generators capture the flare gas, burn it, or whatever mechanism it is. Um, I, I'm guessing the natural gas generator does that, um, and and they're achieving one cent electricity, and that's funding the mining rigs, um, and and that's you know it's it's being very efficient. So, and we have a lot of that in the U.S. The U.S. has the the, For sure. the most energy abundant um, country in the world. I mean, we have, you, you look at Texas, there's wind power, there's solar, there's natural gas, oil, they, they have it all. So we're going to leverage it. And, 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 and it makes me very, uh, very bullish for Bitcoin. Yeah. So in the U.S., I mean, there's people I think don't realize there's so much energy abundancy in the U.S. Um, in Kentucky, we're using hydro. Uh, there's, there's a lot of hydro in upstate New York, Pacific Northwest, uh, you have, Texas has wind, solar, oil, natural gas, just about everything. Um, so that's why, I mean, Bitmain, I don't know if people know this, Bitmain is mining in Texas. So the Chinese are coming here. You have, you have all this stability in the U.S. with regulation. Um, the municipalities just don't shut you down overnight. You don't have to negotiate with the politicians. Um, it's very, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to allocate millions of dollars to a mining operation, you know, as, as a hedge fund manager, you want to assure you can have a grasp of your risk. You don't want to deploy something in China or Russia and overnight someone shuts down your mine, right? In the U S you have that stability. And most importantly, you have redundancy, the grid, when was the last time we had a blackout in the U S people are deploying stuff in Venezuela, Iran, I think 20% of the day. They have blackouts um, in the U.S. The bandwidth, the internet connect connectivity. These miners need to be connected at 100% uptimes, right? So, in the U.S., you have 100% uptimes. In other countries, uh, it, the internet might be down for 15, 20% during the year. So, you couple in all these all these uh, variables, the the abundance of energy, um, what these miners are doing with the natural gas, uh, the exceptional internet connectivity, the, the, the regulation and stability, 
it's just a far healthier environment to be Bitcoin mining. And the numbers show it. And that's why the acceleration, the growing market is North America. Uh, and that's exceptional for, our, for the Bitcoin um, network because you want this decentralization. We want more hash in the US. We don't want all the ASIC manufacturers in China and 65% of the hash in China and, and the majority of the pools in China, right? So we want this decentralized network. It's a significant value add. And it's what, you know, it's part of the, the you know, the, the, the fundamentals of, of Bitcoin. So it's, we're excited. Uh, we're glad that we're seeing the acceleration in North America as well. What, if anything, are you seeing on the central um, bank side or uh, kind of the nation state side? Are you seeing any interest there from countries or governments themselves? Um, not, not yet. I think, I think I've seen articles about like Belarus thinking about getting involved. Um, I think, I think the, it doesn't move the needle for them yet. Uh, you know, a country is so large where for them to take on making 50 million a year or something like that, I, th I think it doesn't move the needle for them yet. Uh, but but in, in five or 10 years, if this truly gets commoditized, you got to think that utility companies are going to be the big players, potentially nation states, anyone, right? It's It's a market. It's an efficiency. Whoever's got the cheap power, the subsidized power, the free power. Uh, the economics are best for them. So whether they partner with someone who's a service provider who brings the mining rigs and run the operation, um, you know, there's some of that going on. I know, I know utilities who are uh, starting to to work with different um, advisory services who can who can build this out. Or so so there's efficiencies like that getting created. Um, and as Bitcoin as Bitcoin continues to mature. Um, People are going to feel more comfortable with it when when fidelity is getting involved. You get better you get better uh, custody, right? When you get when you get better markets that you can rely on. You know, we have we have miners who are publicly traded, and and they want to they they want to use an American mining pool who you, who gets like a SOC report, um, so that this publicly traded um, mining company is more comfortable with where they're getting their rewards from. So there's there's a lot of things. That could really improve this industry and bring more participants in. And when you when you remove that type of friction, the investment dollars come in too. Uh, fund managers are more comfortable allocating capital. That's going to be on both sides, right? You get a you. Here's the thing: the economy has gotten a bit rough, but but we're seeing and there's been disruption everywhere. I haven't seen a ton of disruption in the mining space. We're still we're still selling mining rigs. There's I mean, think about how bullish that is. You're, you have miners in 40, 50 plus countries that are buying infrastructure dedicated just for Bitcoin. There's been billions of dollars allocated towards mining Bitcoin, securing the network, the infrastructure. That's network effects. That's value. I mean, uh, the, it's not just about Bitcoin. It's not just about the coin. It's about this, this network of miners all around the world um, that are spending money on infrastructure. They have conviction. They're, they're going to support the network. That's valuable. If, if you want to shut down the Bitcoin network, you got to go. If Donald Trump said, I'm shutting down the Bitcoin network, well, he's got to go to China 
got to go to Venezuela. He's got to go to Berlin. Got to shut down every single little miner. Otherwise, the network keeps keeps settling blocks, right? So, so that's the value of decentralization right there. Um, there's miners all around the world in, in, in different sovereign countries. That is very, very powerful. Um, so, you know, we're, people, people always talk about network effects. I think the biggest network effect in Bitcoin is the miners and the billions of dollars they're spending towards facilities, power contracts, mining equipment, um, firmwares. Uh, there's there's data centers that are traditional data centers that are bringing miners into their in their uh, facilities. That's network effects. That is a healthy network. Um, yeah. Got it. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, before we finish up, I always ask people, what's uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book, um, probably Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. <sighs> Why? That's that was when I, uh, um, you know, when I started getting into equities, uh, my partner who he's, so when I I started getting mentored in the equity markets around fourteen or fifteen, and that was the first book he referred to me uh, to learn about equities, and that's really what has kicked off my, uh, you know, my my career in, in in the financial services, you know, running money, uh, thinking about human psychology. Um, and really thinking about how markets affect each other, how people affect markets, right? When I when I discussed what I think um, the fundamentals of of what's going on with QE, this that's a, that's a human psychology trade. It's 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 a bunch of speculators who are going to get involved. Imagine this disruptive technology uh, getting adopted, and then human psychology just takes over. That's how you get these bull markets. Um, you layer in that that that's that liquid secondary market. And that's how these things happen. It have it's it's happened time after time in history. It repeats itself. Um, technology in its infancy that that's disruptive. Secondary liquid market, speculators being able to imagine the possibilities of it coming to fruition. Parabolic bull market. For sure. Um, before I let you ask me one question to finish up, uh, I asked everyone about aliens. Believer, non-believer. Uh, yeah, I am a believer. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, I can't prove it, but I think, um, yeah, I think it's out there. The world's bigger than us, right? Um, maybe they deployed coronavirus on us. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer. You, you never know. You never know. Uh, what one question do you have for me to, uh, to finish up here? Um, what are you most excited about in the Bitcoin space? time i think that's the most important thing is uh it, it, go, it always goes back to the bill gates quote for me um we overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in 10 and uh, if you went back to 2009 2010 and told people this is where bitcoin would be today i think they would have told you that you're crazy um but if you asked people you know even this year what are we going to do in the next 12 months i think that they'll be overly optimistic um and so for me it's uh just the passing of time uh, gives builders the ability to build. It gives um, investors the ability to kind of be converted into holders, uh, and it gives time for all the infrastructure and market liquidity be, to uh, be built out, and then also the education to happen, uh, which I think is all really important for uh, for the ecosystem. Um, and, and so it's one of these things where if you can remain optimistic um, and kind of upbeat, 
uh, even through these long bear markets and uh, kind of downward uh, cycles, then over long periods of time, it ends up working out really well. Uh, and so I think just time is, uh, and, and kind of the passage of time is the most exciting thing to me. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're rarely, you're rarely going to find a successful pessimist. You got to stay optimistic. Um, so I completely agree with you. Absolutely. Well, where can people find uh, you and, and the company online? Um, you can go to blockwarsolutions.com. Uh, that's, that's, that's the company that we're uh, really servicing the mining network. Um, if you want to learn more, reach out. I could, we could talk about our other uh, companies as well. Um, we've got a Bitcoin mining pool. We've got an exceptional firmware to get uh, as much edge for the U.S. miners. We've got mining rigs on site and a co-location facility in the U.S. So miners can be up and hashing in within 48 hours. So BlockworthSolutions.com, reach out to us. Um, I'm also on Twitter, MJ D'Souza2. Uh, reach out to us. Always happy to um, answer questions and, and put out the best information we can. Absolutely. Joe's got you hooked up there with the, with the Twitter account. Listen, um, I really appreciate you doing this, Matt. Um, I think that uh, people are really going to enjoy hearing from you, especially around uh, kind of the having and, and a lot of the minor cell pressure, et cetera. So uh, we'll have to do this again, maybe post-having at some point later this year. But I really appreciate taking the time to, uh, to go over all this with us. Absolutely, guys. And, um, you know, I think, I think everyone should stay positive with what's going on with the virus. It's a great opportunity to spend time with our friends and family. Um, I've had the pleasure of being able to have dinner with my family the past seven days. And, and I think those are the most important things. So let's appreciate all that. Take care, guys. Thank you. you. Got it, man. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, Simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.